Is there anybody in your life that um, when their phone number comes up on your phone, on your caller ID, or maybe their picture comes up on your phone, as soon as you see their picture, as soon as you see their name, you go, oh boy. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. The, you know they need something. You know they need something. You know, anybody else have this in their life? We all do, I think. They're, they're not calling to check up on you. They're not calling to see how the week went, right? Now, they probably love you and you love them, but there's just something about this person that when they call, they're calling because they need something. You know what I mean? We all have those kind of people in our lives. And I started thinking about it this week. I realized, you know what? How often does God feel that way about us? He sees a caller ID and he goes, here's Drew calling about something he needs again. It's all about Drew. It's all about what he wants. It's all about what he needs. He never calls just to talk, you know? How often does God kind of have that sense about us the same way we do about maybe somebody in our lives? We do the same thing with God. Typically, our prayers are focused on one specific thing or a few specific things, right? And they're almost always about us. Or maybe even you're saying this morning, if I'm being honest, I really don't even pray that much. If I'm being honest, I really don't pray. I don't really talk to God that much. Well, we've been in this life series for the last couple of weeks. Um, what we're talking about is what does it mean to have an abundant life in Jesus? He said, remember in John 10, 10, thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to bring you life and life abundantly. And the reality is when we trust God with our lives, when we know him and we get to know him more, in other words, when we obey him, Scripture says that Jesus loves us, the Father loves us, and he says, I'll show myself to you. I'll manifest myself to you. And we can, when we get to be in that kind of relationship with the Lord, he's showing himself to us. We're learning about him more. We're learning more of him. Then no matter what's going on in our lives, we can have a peace. We can have a contentment. We can have a joy that surpasses everything else, right? Why? Because it's the abundant life that he's come to bring us. Sometimes we fall short on the walking piece. We fall short on the knowing piece, educating our hearts and ourselves to be more like Christ. And so when we do that, we wonder why we're depressed or frustrated or we just can't seem to get things together. Not that Christians don't feel those things. Obviously we do. But he's come to bring us life. And when we have disciplines in our lives, they're kind of like the guardrails of life that help us focus on him. They remind us of who we are and whose we are. Well, in this series, we've talked about biblical meditation. We, we, last week, we talked about fasting. I don't know if any of you experimented with that. I hope you did, maybe. And I hope it gave you some clarity, uh, maybe to some things in your life. Or maybe you're just, uh, it was a response for you and what's going on even in, around the world with all the things going on in the world. Well, this week, we're talking about something that might be a little bit more familiar with you. We're talking about prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is a conversation with God, Right? It's a conversation with God. And so my question for you this morning is, how is, your, how is the depth of your relationship with God? Do you feel close to Jesus? Do you feel like you just, man, you just have a close-knit relationship with him? I believe if you, if you feel that, if you have that, it's probably because of the depth 
The depth of your conversation, I think it's because of the communication in your life. Here's the first point for your card this morning. The depth of our relationship with God is directly connected to the quality of communication we have with him. Let me say that again. The depth of the relationship we have with God is directly related to the quality of communication we have with him. That's not just God, by the way. That's every relationship you have in your life. That, whether it be a spouse or a child or a neighbor or somebody at work, the depth of that relationship will depend upon how much you spend time with them, how, how much you speak with them, your communication with them, how well you know them. Sometimes we wonder why we, we feel like we're just not getting along with people. We just can't connect with them in some way. Well, how, how much have we really tried to talk with them, right? Proverbs says a friend shows himself friendly. Well, it's no, it's no uh, question that close relationships are a result of communication, okay? It's a result of communication. Now, you guys are familiar with, um, I just went blank, Jeff Foxworthy. You know what I'm talking about? The redneck joke guy. So I was thinking about him, and I was thinking about us, and I'm thinking about, you know, what, how can we come up with like a little self-test on how close we are with the Lord based on our communication with him? So I've got, so they're not quite as funny as redneck jokes, but anyway, you'll get the idea. So I want you to think about the last time you prayed, all right? Just for a second, everybody think about the last time you prayed. Now, if right now you're thinking, I don't remember the last time I prayed, you might not have that close of a relationship with God, okay? Here's the second one. If you're thinking right now, try to think back to the last time you prayed. If you're thinking back and all you can remember about the last time you prayed is that when you spoke to God, you sounded like you were speaking with a stranger you hated to interrupt, right? Uh, God, um, just wanna, I just want to, um, if, if you could just do this one, I just, I know you're busy. If, we, if that's kind of how you sounded, you probably don't have that close a relationship with God. Maybe the last time you prayed, it had everything to do with you. Amen. Everything to do with me, my needs, my wants, amen. You might not have that close a relationship with God. Or maybe, <laughs> I've done this a lot, maybe the last time you talked to God, it was a, just a, basically a business negotiation. You ever done that? God, uh, um, okay, if, if I'm at church the next four weeks, it, will it be okay for me to be at the lake for two weeks? And then, God, if, if, um, if, if, I, if I tithe, I'm going to tithe for a month solid, I, I sure hope and I get that raise that's coming up. It's a possibility. Have you ever done that? I know I have. Lord, if you'll just get me through this one thing, I'm, I'm so nervous about it. If you'll just get me through this thing, I'll be a missionary to Africa. You... Yeah, sometimes negotiating with God can get us in trouble and get us to saying things that we don't mean. However, listen, if the last time you prayed, if you, if you, if you prayed, if you're thinking about the last time you prayed and you can't necessarily remember what was said, but you know in your heart that you poured your heart out to God, you know that maybe you confess sin to God. You were honest about your struggles or whatever's going on in your life. There's a chance that you might have a pretty good relationship with God. Or if the last time you prayed, you prayed for somebody else beside yourself or some place beside right where you were. You might have a pretty good relationship with God. Or maybe the last time you prayed, you smiled when you prayed. Or you wept when you prayed. Or you sang when you prayed because you couldn't help but think about how good God is. You might have a pretty good relationship with God. Or maybe 
the last time you prayed was just a second ago because you've developed this process, this habit of just praying continually. Or maybe this morning will be the first time that you've truly prayed. This is the thing I know. If you will approach God with faith and authenticity, there is a great chance you can have a great relationship. Faith and authenticity, you can have a great relationship with God. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes I treat the Lord <laughs> like it's a one-way conversation. You know those old big blue mailboxes? When you, for me, when I have something really important, it feels like my own mailbox won't do. It's like, oh, I'm not, no, I can't put it in the one at the end of the driveway. I've got to take this to the post office, you know? And you take it to the mailbox, you open the deal, you put it in there, and you close it. Now, we don't see too many people standing around the mailbox, do we? Kind of like waiting for a response. Well, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? What are you doing? Well, I just I put the letter in here. I'm hoping to hear back. We don't do that with those things. And honestly, isn't that the way we approach God? We open the mailbox to God and we say, here, God, maybe, hope you get this. We'll see at some point if you heard me, if this changes anything. I, we treat God in prayer with the Lord like it's a one-way communication, but it's not. It's supposed to be a two-way communication. That's kind of how conversations work. But we forget how God speaks to us. We forget how he speaks to us. And let me remind you of, of a few ways that God speaks to us. First is this. He speaks through his word. Are you, are you just really wanting to hear from the Lord? Then how much have you been in his word? <laughs> I just feel like I hadn't heard from God in so long. I just, man, I just pray and I, you know, I don't know, sing some songs. I just say, get in the word of God. That is his word to us. Make it a part of, of your time with him, whether it be prayer, whether it be worship, whether it be uh, meditation, fasting. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to study the word of God. That's how he speaks to his people. He also speaks to us through his spirit. It might be a service like this. It might be a song that, that you hear. You might be something on the radio. But his spirit just quickens something inside your heart. And it, and it resonates with you in a way that you go, wow, I think the Lord just told, just told me that. I think the Lord just confirmed something in me or just encouraged me in some way. He speaks to his word. He speaks to his spirit. He also speaks through his people. Have you ever had anybody come up to you and say, man, I've just been praying for you. I feel like the Lord is just, I don't know, I'm just praying this for you. Have you ever had that? It's so special when somebody loves you enough to come up and say, hey, especially if it's not great news. And they come up and say, man, I just really feel like you need to make this change or you need to be thinking about this thing. And you go, wow. God speaks through his word and through his spirit and through his people. That's why it's, listen, that's why it's important to be in community. It's important to walk our lives out with other people. Yes, in church. Church is not enough. Small groups, real, authentic, life-giving relationships so that God can speak through his people to you. It's so important. It's so important as a disciple of Jesus to be in relationships where people can speak to us. Maybe, listen, maybe this morning you're saying, I'll be honest, man. I feel like when I pray, my prayers just hit the roof and bounce back at me. I feel like when I pray, it just doesn't work. Have you ever felt that way? Listen, I want you to know there are some things in our lives that can keep our prayers from getting to God. Or they can keep God from answering our prayers. I want to give you a few of these things. I want to give you this list this morning 
of some of the things that, that we can do that cause a ceiling where our prayers don't work. Okay? Here's the first one. Unrepentant sin. If you call yourself a believer in Jesus, a Christ follower, and there's something in your life that you've just, you're just holding on to. It might be an idol. It might be an addiction. It might be something. You just haven't given it to God. Well, don't expect God to hear your prayer, to answer your prayer, if you're not willing to give up that thing. Right? This is what it says in Psalm 66, 18. If I had harbored sin in my heart, the sovereign master would not have listened. If I regarded wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. It's so important for us to live in such a way that we're saying, God, show me the things in my heart. Just as David did, right? Remember the prayer of David? Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, show me the things in my life that I need to repent from. The things I need to, to ask you to help me change. Here's another thing. If you ever pray with wrong motives, <laughs> it doesn't work, right? James 4.3 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You ever pray this? I'm, sh I'm sure nobody has. Um, Lord, if I could just win the lottery because the church needs updating and I'll give some to the church. And it'll, I'll, be, I'll help the world, right? Or those kind of prayers where we're saying something that sounds kind of churchy and good, but we got another motive going on. You know what I'm talking about? It doesn't work. James says it doesn't work because we have an ulterior motive. Uh, here's one. Husbands, guys, listen. Husbands, if we're not honoring and respecting our wives with the love of Jesus and leading them, God won't hear our prayers. That's what it says here in, in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Listen, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Isn't that interesting? How we even love our spouse, how we care for our spouse can make a difference in our prayer life. Here's another way. If we don't care about the, you know, we call them the least of these. If we don't care about people who are struggling. If we don't care about poor people, people who are hungry, people who have great needs. If we just kind of, we just blow them off and we just say, I don't want to deal with it. God won't hear your prayer. That's what it says in Isaiah 58, 6 through 9. The scripture says, Basically, when we help the oppressed, when we feed the hungry, when we invite the homeless into our homes, when we clothe the naked, this is what it says in Isaiah 58, verse 9, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Isn't that good? When we actually are the hands and feet of Jesus and we're doing the work of Jesus in the mission of Jesus to the people who he loves, and he says, here I am. Ask what you want. Ask what you want. Here's another way. Maybe you're just praying and it's not God's will. What you're praying for is just not God's will. I know for a long time I did this. I had a, a dream and a thought. And in my mind, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I had just this picture in my heart, in my mind of what God's will was. I mean, I had to the detail. I'm kind of a dreamer anyway. It's easy for me to fill in details. You know what I mean? 
So I filled in some details of what I thought. Man, this is God's will. It's going to be it's going to be perfect and have all these aspects of it. And so I began to pray in that direction of what my mind and my heart thought God's will looked like. And I kept praying and I kept praying and it felt like, uh, Lord, are we on the same team here? Because this is for you. Remember, yeah, it's my picture, but it's for you. Are we in this together? Until I just came to the place where I said, Lord, I don't, actually, I don't care about what it looks like anymore. Doesn't matter to me, God. Because it's your story, it's your will, it's not my story, it's not my will. So it doesn't matter about all the details that I've placed in this picture, God, erase them. Here's just my life. You do what you want. You walk it out how you want it to be lived. Father, help me just surrender to your will, whatever that is. That's exactly what Paul had to pray in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because he asked the Lord three times, will you remove this thorn? There was something in his life that was causing him stress and, and tension and pain. So much that he pleaded with God three times, Lord, would you please remove this thing? And what did God say? He said, listen, my grace is enough. Christ is enough. Sometimes we pray in the direction of what we think is God's will. We just need to say, Lord, teach me what your will is and help me to pray in the direction of your will. I'm telling you, listen, things change when I let go of the picture. Drastically. When I let go of this little picture and I just said, Lord, I don't have a picture anymore. I got dreams, sure. I got thoughts and I, got, I can fill it in. That's, I'm, you've gifted me to fill in some details. But that's gotten me in trouble, so how about I just let you fill in the details and I just say, yes, God. When I did that, you, you guys, listen, when I did that, the Lord, I felt his presence just come in like a wind, like a flood. I felt green light after green light after green light because he finally had all of me instead of just me saying, I'll do this if it looks like this. Let go of the picture. Some of you haven't experienced God in prayer in the way that you'd like to because you're praying from the wrong position. And this is what I mean by that. I'm not talking about because you're standing or you're kneeling or you're sitting or your head's bowed or your hands are clapped. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is the position that we have with God. The disciples uh, asked Jesus to teach them to pray. This is, one of the, this is one of the places where Jesus teaches us how to pray. Matthew 6, verse 5. It says, and when you pray, you must, not like, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Can we, can we speak this out together? Is it up here? Let's pray, this. Let's pray this together, can we? Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see, the position that we have with God when we come to approach him for prayer, it shouldn't be one just to show off like we see the hypocrites. It shouldn't be one that we, if we think we can impress others by the fancy words we use, God is not impressed with your fancy words. He's impressed with your broken heart. He's impressed with your life wide open. That's what he's impressed with. Our position before God is as children. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus tells us, you want to learn how to pray? This is how you pray. Approach the Father as your Father. As sons and daughters adopted by the grace and sacrifice of Jesus. We don't approach him as strangers. We don't approach him as people trying to be impressive. We approach him as children. We go to God in relationship. Isn't that awesome? Tim Keller says, you know, people pray all over the world. Other religions, other forms of, I don't know, whether you have a religion or not, you probably prayed to something. So just to pray is not enough, right? How we pray matters. How we pray matters. John 1.12 says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Every person in the world was created in the image of God. But for those of us who have believed in his name, we've been given the right to become children of God. And as children of God, we can approach the Father from the right position as children. We have tremendous access to God. Remember the story of when Jesus died. He said it is finished and he passed. And the veil in the temple was torn. You remember that in scripture? Signifying that we now have access to the holiest of holies. We have access to the creator, almighty Yahweh. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. We have access to God, the God of the universe. We can speak with him. But it's not because we're fancy words and we can be impressive. It's because we're children of God. We approach God in, in, in two ways. We approach God either in a business relationship, right, with the negotiation thing I mentioned, or we approach him as children. This is what I mean. In a business relationship, you say, hey, here's what I have for you, God. Here's what I've got. I, if I do these things, I'm hoping that you can come through on your end, right? No, no. A family relationship says this. Lord, I approach you because of who I am to you. Not something I've done. I, I, have, I can't do anything to approach you. So I approach you, our Father. It's who I am to you. It's because I can approach you because of who I am. One is conditional. One is unconditional. One is doing. Another is being. A business relationship is that you perform, and then maybe you'll be accepted. But a family relationship is, no, 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 because you're accepted. Because you're accepted, now perform. 
right? See the difference? Business relationship says, you owe me, God. You owe me. I've done all these things. Where, where did, weren't you coming through on the thing that I thought you were going to come through? Listen, I could have very easily gotten into that you owe me. Instead of choosing to just let go of the picture, my own picture, and saying, God, I don't care about the picture, I could have said, God, you owe me. Because I thought I was supposed to look like this. But grace and a family relationship as a son says, God, I could never repay you. I can never repay you for what you've given me. Do you see the difference? 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Oh, what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we can be called children of God and approach our Father who art in heaven. Something happens when, when we're adopted. It's a legal change, right? When you adopt a child, you, you change their status from orphan to being in a family. From orphan to being in a family. Now they're loved and accepted. This is what God says to us. He says, I accept you. I love you just as I do my own son. You're now part of this family. And so we approach God as father. Keller says this. He says, no one dares wake up a king. No one would dare wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water. No one in the castle, right, except his child. Isn't that beautiful? Because that's the kind of access we have to God. We can wake up the king, so to speak. He's always there for us. The other day, um, I guess this past Thursday, my, my youngest, Jovi, she wanted me to go to breakfast with her at, at her school. They were having a thing called All Pro Dads, which is it's a really neat deal, but it was at 6.45 in the morning, and that is too early to be awake and too early to go somewhere. And I had had a long, hard week already, and I was like, okay, I don't want to really. And even my wife was like, honey, he's had a hard week. Don't, Daddy may not be able to go. She was even kind of fighting for my side, you know. I know that sounds awful. Uh, I was tired. And so I stayed with it. And I, I bet she asked me 20 times in two hours. But what's interesting is by the time I was putting her down for bed, I was sitting with her. She said, Daddy, are we going to go tomorrow? <laughs> and so I said, honey, we'll just see. If we go, I'll wake you up in time for us to go. But in my heart, there was nothing in the world that was going to keep me from taking that little girl to breakfast. Nothing. You see, our persistence matters as children. <laughs> it matters. In fact, that's how Jesus tells us to pray. God is honored in our persistent prayer. Uh, I'm reading through this book called Union with Christ, Rankin Wilburn, and he says, the call to persist in prayer is not for God's sake. It's for ours to train and purify our desires. Prayer is an integral uh, to abiding because the real point of prayer is not something, it's someone. It's not something, it's someone. So there's this beautiful story in Luke chapter 11 where the disciples come to Jesus and they say, John has taught his disciples how to pray. Would you teach us how to pray? And I think this is an interesting story. And here's the first reason. Basically, what it's saying is 
we can learn how to pray. Prayer can be something we can learn to do. Sometimes I think in the church we just go, well, have you prayed about it? And the young believers are going, what does that even mean? I don't, how do you pray? And Jesus is saying, yeah, we can teach you. You can learn how to pray. It's something that can be learned. The second thing is Jesus, I think it's a separate conversation from the, the original Lord's Prayer that we see in Matthew. He reminds them of the Lord's Prayer and he says, yeah, say our Father. Approach God as Father. And then the next thing is so interesting. You should look it up in Luke 11. He tells this story. It's very interesting and strange kind of. Jesus says, you know, if you're going to pray, treat it like somebody's come over to your house. There's some guests in your house and you have no food to give them. So you go over to your friend's house in the middle of the night and you knock on the door and you say, hey, I need some bread. I need three loaves of bread. And your friend goes, we're asleep. Go away. But you keep knocking. No, I've got people at my house. I need bread. And your friend says, I'm going to have to wake up the kids. I'm gonna, it's, gonna, it's awful. No, go away. He keeps knocking. And finally, the scripture says, and this is Jesus teaching us how to pray. Finally, the guy says, fine. And he gets up and he gets the bread. He gets anything he, he wants, in fact, is what he says. And it brings him back because he was persistent in prayer. I want to look at that one verse, those couple of verses. Luke 11, 8 through 10 says, Yet because of your shameless audacity, <laughs> shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. We approach God as Father. We ask. We ask with persistence. We stay after it. We keep knocking. We keep knocking. Because you know why? God is honored. Because it's like we're saying, Lord, there's no other way this is going to happen. I don't have any other choice, so I'm going to keep knocking until you hear my cry. And God is honored in that persistence. We seek in faith, and we knock relentlessly. Here's the last point this morning. Prayer is a discipline. That's why it's one of the ones in this list that we're going through in this series. It's one thing to pray when you have a need. It's one thing to pray when you know of someone else's need. It's another to pray as a practice. We need to have a practice of prayer. We need to be intentional about prayer. It needs to be something we schedule into our lives. In fact, Scripture tells us we need a place to pray, right? Even in this same story I just mentioned, Luke 11, verse 1, this is what it says. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Even in this story, we see Jesus had some certain place that he went to. I don't know if you have a place. I was trying to think about this. I don't really think about them this way. But I came up, I have three places. I pray uh, in my car. I pray in one of my daughter's bedrooms as I'm studying and praying for services. That's a place that I go and I pray. And I pray in my office. I have these three places that are kind of, I didn't know I designated them, but I kind of had. They become a certain place for me to go and pray. Do you have a place that you can go and be quiet and you can talk with the Father. Here's the second thing you need to process. Anything that's a practice, you need a process for the practice. Some of you like to journal. 
Some of you like to take notes when you pray, right? Some of you like to write down ideas as the Spirit moves in you. That's awesome. Journaling can be a part of your process. Worshiping can be a part of your process. Quiet time and solitude can be a part of your process. Here's something that I learned a long time ago, and I'm almost done. The acts of prayer. Have you ever heard of that? Probably have. I want to remind you of it this morning. It's something that stayed with me. It's very simple, but it helps me when I begin to pray. The acts of prayer. Number one is A, adoration. We approach God with adoration. We say, Lord, you, you just tell him all the things that make him who he is. We love on him through who he is and what he's done. We adore him because of who he is. C, confession. This is a time where we just go, we get honest. Lord, here's where I'm, I'm full of sin in this area. I'm struggling in this area. Listen, he already knows. You're not telling some, God something he doesn't already know. Be honest. Be brutally honest. He already knows. Confess. T, thanksgiving. This is a time where we can just say, Lord, let me just, let me just stop for a moment and count the ways you've blessed me. Remember that old song? Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. I love that old song. And that's part of thanksgiving. Let me, let's just, Lord, let me think of everything that I could be thankful for. And S is supplication. Is there somebody in my life that I can pray for? Is there something going on that I can pray? It's not for me. It's not for my people. It's, it's for someone else. Lord, would you do something in the world? Supplication. Here's a couple other thoughts. Pray continually. Do you know prayer can be like this ongoing conversation? I don't know about if you've done this with your spouse or not, but sometimes I'll be on the phone with Lori. I might get another call or I'll get distracted. Let me call you back. Hang up the phone. A couple minutes later, I'm like, so anyway, and I just carry the conversation right back. I don't have to go, so how's your day been? So did you, you know, I don't have to do that because we were already in a conversation. You can do the same thing with God. Just carry on this ongoing conversation. I do it all the time because I get distracted sometimes. I'll be praying. We we'll have a great conversation. All of a sudden, a song comes on. I'll start jamming to the song, singing to the song. The song goes off, and a bad song comes on. I go, anyway, Lord, I don't know what happened there, but uh, I'm, back, I'm back to the conversation. You know what I mean? That can be a continual prayer. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that we can't breathe or we can't eat or we can't laugh or we can't enjoy ourselves or sing a song. It just means that let this prayer continually be on your mouth and in your heart. Just speak with me. Speak with me. Here's the, here's the last thing. Pray immediately. Pray immediately. When something pops onto your heart, when you, just, when you have this thought about a, a prayer that needs to happen, go ahead and pray. How many times has somebody come to you and say, hey, by the way, pray for my sister this week. She's going to be doing surgery. And we go, Okay. And forget it. Huh? Yeah. We do it all the time. Why don't we just go, okay, what's her name? Let's do it right now. Just stop and pray. It happened this week. I love you, Tracy. Thank you for doing this. She, she didn't know I was going to say this. We had a prayer request in our, in our small group this week. And we have a small group text and we pray for each other. And this request came across our, our text. And so we're all praying. Well, Tracy shot back an actual prayer in that moment in that immediate moment. And you know what? I prayed Tracy's prayer. It, it helped lead me to pray for that need. Let's pray with immediacy. Stop whatever you're doing and just pray. Go to the Father. Well, 
I'll be honest, I've learned a lot in, even just in the last year. Um, many of you know the story of kind of how, what God has been doing at Temple in South City. And uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the people in my life who I love dearly, who has taught me so much, is Brother Jerry. If you don't know this about him, and I think most of you do, you can take it from me and you can take it to the bank. He is a man of prayer. Um, when we started, first started talking, and I just love this part of our story, we started talking and I told him, I, think, I felt like God is laying this on my heart, but it scared me to death. I'm not sure what this is supposed to look like. And I've been praying about it for, I don't know, 10 or 11 months, and I think we, we need to talk more. And he said, well, I've been praying for a year. And we, we just sat there and looked at each other like, what? He's been praying that God would provide somebody to lead the church in a new direction for almost a year. And God had been laying it on my heart to come to the church and lead it in a new direction for almost a year. Is that a coincidence? No. No. First time I, I taught here at, at Temple, we're sitting in his office. And uh, we were going to pray. So I started praying, and I finished praying, and then Brother Jerry started praying. His voice sounded funny. It sounded muffled. I couldn't. I, so I, I cheated. I looked. I'll be honest with you. Opened my eyes, and I looked. Where is he at? What's, he was laying face down on the floor. And it broke my heart. And it showed me, even in his posture, how he wants to come before the Lord. And so I got out of my chair and I got on my face. And one of the sweetest things I've ever experienced in this last year is praying with you and learning from you to pray. I've asked Brother Jerry to come share his heart a little bit about prayer. And then he's going to lead us as a church through a time of prayer. We're going to pray for Houston and Florida and these storms and pray for what God wants to do in our church. So Brother Jerry, go ahead and come on up and... Uh, Talk to us about, I know what is so special in your heart and in your life, and that is speaking to the Father in prayer. Prayer has, has, has been the anchor of my life and my ministry. Um, it started before I was born. My mother was expecting her first child and experiencing problems. And so she, in a cotton field, stopped at the end of a cotton row and bowed and had prayer. She said, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him to you. You'll make him healthy, then I'll I'll dedicate him to you. That's the way my life started. All through our ministry, Sue and I have known that if we were going to do anything to bring people to know Christ as their Savior, it would be because of prayer. Not only our prayer, but the prayers of others. When we went to the mission field in 1973 to Bolivia, South America, we knew 
that we could not have a ministry apart from the prayers of God's people. We ask as we went from church to church, would you sign our prayer card? Not with you, not just sign our prayer card, but would you sign the hour of the day that you will be praying for us? Our objective was to have people praying for us 24 hours a day. We knew that we had to have people praying. It was beautiful. We had people who wrote us during the time that we were there. One said, I signed uh, to pray for you at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's strange because that's when I'm going to work. I'm a nurse. And I work the, the night shift or early morning shift. And I have your prayer card on my uh, visor. And I'm praying for you at that time of day. It came on. It went on and on. Not exactly every hour of the day. But many, many people prayed even at the same time for us. The result of that was an aviation ministry flying a single-engine airplane over the jungles of Bolivia for eight years, and God blessed in a tremendous, tremendous way. I want to give you, I want to tell you a story, and I'll try to make it short. But there, there was one occasion whenever I was going to make a flight, a missionary family that lived out on the border of Brazil and Bolivia had asked me to fly them home with their supplies. We got the airplane together and started out mid-morning. It was a bright, sunshiny day. The clouds were gathering in the, in the skies as they always built there in the, in the heat of the jungle. As we were flying along, I, I realized that the clouds were gathering and uh, they were getting larger and I was getting very close to the bottoms of them and I, and I thought, well, I'll go through just this next cloud, but then I need to get down a little bit because it could be dangerous. There could be a thunderstorm up there. Well, I went through the next cloud, and as I entered in the cloud, we found ourselves in a, in a darkness that was impenetrable. The airplane began to be tossed about as a, as a straw in a, in a windstorm. It was just completely out of control we were in the cell of a thunderstorm we didn't know if we were upside down right side up where we were it was hard to follow the instruments the wind currents up drafts and down drafts were just taking the little plane and throwing it around in that experience you know you you find yourself really uh, doing some serious praying as the thunder was rolling and the lightning was flashing and was trying to get control 
uh, of the airplane, I, I cried out, God, first, I, first thing I said was, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I realize I, I'm, I'm going to destroy the airplane. I'm going to, to kill these people that are in, in the plane with me. It's, it's a horrible, horrible experience. But in that moment, there was just a voice that came to me. It said, no, I'm not through with you yet. And as I looked at one of the instruments, the vertical speed indicator, I saw that now a downdraft had us and we were heading down toward the ground at 2,000 feet a minute. We weren't that high to start with. And I was frightened, more frightened than I'd ever been in all of my life. And yet, God had said, I'll be with you. In an instant, the plane was thrown out the bottom of the thunderstorm. We were from the darkness, the blackness there in this thunderstorm to brilliant sunlight again. And... My eyes focused and all I could see was green, the tops of the trees. I knew I had to stop the descent on the airplane, and yet I knew that at the rate of speed we were going down toward the ground, that aerodynamically the, the plane, the wings should not stay on the airplane. And yet, out of instinct, I pulled back on the yoke of the airplane. The G-forces just slammed us into the seats and almost pulled the skin off our faces. But the plane straightened out. In 15 seconds from the tops of the trees, we were flying level again. Now the plane was, the wings were damaged. The tips of them from the skin on the plane from one tip, wing tip to the other looked like corrugated tin the, but, the, but the wings stayed on the plane when I came home a few months later I was at my home church and I was telling about this and how God had taken care of us after the service one of the ladies came up to me and she said do you know when that was and I said well I can get my logbook and tell you the dates and she said I want to know I found that out and as I told her she said that's what I thought she said that's the day that we were having a ladies meeting here at Unity Church she said, before the meeting, I felt impressed to bring the ladies together and say, today before we start, we must pray for Brother Jerry and his ministry in South America. Those ladies prayed that day. And from 6,000 miles away, the great 
God that we have sung about this morning heard their prayer. The one who made gravity defied gravity. And he kept us alive so that we might continue to go and do the work he's called us to do. That is the power of prayer. We've been a praying church here for the last few months. On Sunday nights, we've been meeting and we've been getting together in, in small groups and we've prayed in the chapel. We ask God to bring us a young leader with vision. God's answered our prayers. We're living now in what God has done for us because we prayed then. Today, I want us, and Drew has asked us, if we'll, if we'll pray together as a church. I want us to stand together and I want you to maybe get with your family or get with whoever is beside you. And we're going to, we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to, to intervene. We want, we want to pray for the aftermath uh, of the hurricane in, in, in Texas. We want to pray for the upcoming hurricane that's now bearing down on Florida. We want to pray for our church. We want to pray for us, our families as individuals. I want us to just get together now, get with someone close to you, and I want us to pray. And We're, we're going to pray uh, out loud. We're going to ask God to intervene we're, we're going as a church to exercise the beautiful tremendous power of prayer let's do it get with someone I'm going to I'm going to pray and then I, I want you to pray. We're going to pray now for the people at, uh, in Texas. Oh, God, we just don't, Lord, have any idea about the, the hurt that's going on in all of the hundreds and thousands of families now in, in, in Houston and all the other uh, coastline of Texas. God, we know that you do. And Lord, we so much want to be there. We so much want to help them. And, and people all over the United States are going to do that. But God, we can't help them like you can. We don't even have words to speak that, will, that would bring the peace and comfort that, that you can. God, we're asking that you would intervene now, that you would be with them. 
Now, church, let's just take a few minutes and let's pray for the people there in the aftermath of Harvey. Let's pray. Now, if we can just turn our prayers to this storm that's, that's happening as we speak, making its landfall in Florida, over the islands, over the Keys, I would just pray for that area now for just a few moments. Would you pray? pray this morning, God, that you would protect homes and families and buildings and property. God, that you would guard lives wherever this storm is hitting this morning. Somehow in this mystery, God, you're the creator. <laughs> and you, you, these storms show your power and your majesty. And yet, Lord, in your grace, we ask that you relent that you pull this storm back, God, to preserve life. God, I pray that the church, this church and every church, Lord, that calls you Savior would run to the needs of the folks there, God, that we would meet needs and families. And I pray, God, that those families, as they lose things and loved ones, may their hearts, Lord Jesus, be focused on, on you and the peace that only you can offer. And lastly, this morning, we would just ask that you pray in your group for South City Church, that God would use us and move us to be his hands and feet in this community for his glory. Would you pray?
Jesus, this morning we plead with you as your people that you would continue to do a work in our church, do a work in each of us individually, do a work in our families. God, give us the desire to serve you, to love you, to know you, to walk with you and each other in such a way, Lord, that we can actually make a difference in this community. God, may our worship be done in spirit and in truth. And Lord, may even these conversations about disciplines, may they shape and form us into disciples of Jesus so that we can live the life God, that we don't deserve to live. We can live the life, God, of knowing you and, and loving you and serving you, the abundant life that you give us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy on us and over us today and the beauty of the sound of the body of Christ speaking with our Father. We praise you today. Pray that you bring us back together in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to go in just a second. Just be seated for a couple of announcements and then we're going to go.